Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the Emerging Markets Entrepreneur. Here again, my co-host Sid Wahi, and today a special Hello. guest, Pepe Murray from Joe Public United. He's the co-founder and group chief creative officer. And um, today we are going to talk a little bit about purpose and how to market in a crisis situation. And Pepe wants to, in particular, also uh, talk about a personal experience that he's had in the past. Um, that has prepared him almost, I would say, for uh, the current situation. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Alexander. So we are, we're sitting here right now, and it's one of the biggest crises, and now we have uh, one of the great marketing leaders in here. What do you think are some of the questions that most SMEs are, are asking us recently that we should trigger right now? Sure. Um, so I, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, how has the messaging changed for companies during this time? Um, and, and what becomes even more interesting to understand is when businesses were not operating during the various lockdowns, um, it was important for, for brands to keep communicating. So what were, they, what were they communicating and how has that message evolved in the last couple of months? Should I just go straight in with that question? Um, it's it's been yeah look i suppose we're in, in territory where we've never found ourselves before we've we've dealt with one of our biggest clients being physically locked down that they couldn't sell at all um so our communication for them was 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 to to try and make a point that that this virus this this crisis is more about just lives i mean lives are important we get that but what's become very apparent is that livelihoods are as important you know as we're seeing businesses shutting down people's lo losing their livelihoods their income which is going to have a tremendous long-term effect so so our marketing for that specific client was more to advocate and hopefully for government to see through social space and through activating uh, more conversation around the point that that livelihoods are as important as lives in this time that was in, in one area. I think in this time, the last thing consumers wanted to see was for brands trying to sell them a product. Um, we are under so much, or not, I wouldn't say we, I'm privileged enough not to feel as much of the pinch, but we know the majority of people are feeling a huge pinch and you don't want to now suddenly be sold a product. Rather show me some empathy. I mean, there's a, there's a global platform where you can get the update, the global update of all the cases across the world. And I've now picked up that there's advertising space sold on that platform. And it yeah. actually, as a consumer myself, it irritates me. I'm going, I'm not going here to buy a pair of tackies. <laughs> I'm interested in the survival of, of, our, of various countries across the globe and the impact of this crisis. So it's very sensitive and brands need to behave accordingly. Interesting. So, so maybe you can also share uh, the, the backstory, um, you know, of your business, how you founded it and how that led to what you are actually recommending businesses right now. Because, I mean, Pepe, you've got so much experience. You don't come to this conclusion uh, without everything that you've experienced before. 100%. Um, so, look, I always smile. So, we are 22 years old, our business. We launched in 1998. 
and and anyone who's an entrepreneur it's like your child so so this child of ours is only it's only reaching adulthood now so it, he's only moving out of home so it's by no means do we think we've arrived and we've done so much the adulthood only starts now the next 20 years is probably going to be where he really needs to find his feet as a business so so i'm coming from a point of view that i don't think we've arrived and we this great business but we we've managed to be in business for 22 years um the 2008 recession knocked us hard uh we mm. we, we prematurely sold our business to a, a u.s listed company in 2001 and for eight years we were part of a corporate machine and we hated it as entrepreneurs so we bought the business back in 2009 and it was in the middle of that recession. So we technically went bankrupt. So, so I felt what it felt like to build a business from scratch with my business partner, who's almost like my second wife or husband or whatever you call it, but, but <laughs> as close a partnership as your, as your, as your, your life Spouse, partner. Yeah. Your business partner is like your second closest human being in your life. You share everything. I mean, you share more time with that person than with your own wife. And, and, and we, we, we went under. So, so to restart after, what would that be? That's after 10 years, after nine years, to pretty much start rebuilding this business. And, and I, I was very much defined by my business. Um, you know, from where I come from as Afrikaans, white South African, it's very much about your success is defined by your money, you know, and, and, I, and I come from a from little mean background. So I don't, don't come from money. I wanted to, I wanted to be rich. And, and I ended up uh, semi bankrupt. So, so the insight was I went and searched for the meaning of my life and I found greater purpose in 2007 already. Um, now, I just reminded myself there was a reason why we started hitting the brick wall. I actually retrenched someone for racism and he went and worked for our biggest client and fired us. And that was the beginning of the end. So at that stage, I started searching for, for more insight in my own life and I discovered purpose, which is a buzzword globally in business today. It's a buzzword. I don't know how many businesses understand it to the depth that, that we do. Um, and I worked very hard with, with our people in the business to define why our business exists. And we've rebuilt our business on this purpose over the last decade. And for me, it's profound because during this time, during this crisis, it's our purpose that's been our rudder. And I think it's played a huge part in us sustaining through this very, very tough economic time. So one could say you actually have experience uh, on how to handle crisis situation already quite well, and uh, and you're quite well equipped now to to um, to share that with other entrepreneurs. So I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs are feeling what you've experienced ten years ago; they're experiencing it now. Yeah. What is yeah. your recommendation? How should they react? How did you react? What mistakes did you do in two thousand eight and and how should entrepreneurs in that situation react? What, what, like, step Look, one, two, three, what should yeah, happen? I would say, I would say the, the most critical aspect of it now is not going to help anyone who's now in, in trouble. But what we learned then 
mm. was, you know, purpose, the, 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 the beauty about purpose in the business is you realize that you're not in business to make money. You know, mm. the founder of Nike, Phil Knight, he wrote Shoe Dog. And he said in his book, Shoe Dog, it's so profound. It's towards the end of the book. He says, we all understand in order to, in order to be alive, you need blood to run through your body. You need your heart to beat and you need blood to flow through your body. But if I ask you, why do you exist? I don't say to make blood. So similarly, money is the lifeblood of business. It has to flow through the business to keep the business alive. But, but you're not in business to make blood. So, so I think one of the first things we learned in 2008, 2009 was the importance of the blood of the business. So for the past decade, my business partner, Gareth, has been very frugal in not paying big dividends in keeping cash in the business. So we built up a massive cash reserve in the business. Now, without that, because in 2008, we didn't have that and we ran out of cash. So, 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 so number one is to be so frugal with that, with, with your cash flow, because you can have so much money on paper, but if you don't have cash in the bank, your business dies overnight. That's one of the first things that that's helped us. The second thing is um, for me in this time is to focus on what I can control. Like I realized we can't control our clients spend, we can't control their revenues, their businesses are also under pressure. So I started focusing only on what I can control. And in my view, all you can control is your excellence in terms of your value that you add in terms of service and product. And I've taken every second of the last three months and just put all my energy into over delivering to our clients. So not worried if they pay me one rand, we give them 50 bucks in terms of our, with all our hearts, we're just giving. And I think that's something often that we lose in business. We put, we put the priority of money above the priority of excellence. And, and, and I'm, going, I'm going into the future post-coronavirus with an obsession for excellence in everything in our business. It's already a very good business, but we would like it to be a great business. That's very interesting. It's a, it's a great insight, keeping your cash and liquidity under control. And even when times are tough, focusing on customer service and delivering excellence. So you mentioned something about the future. How is your industry changing? A lot of companies have um, talked about uh, working remotely and decentralization. So how, how does your industry get impacted by a post-COVID-19 world? Look, I'm not sure how the industry is going to work because what I've experienced often is we are creatures of habit, deep ingrained habit. You know, even getting people out of the habit of focusing on bottom line. You know, it's called the bottom line because it's at the bottom. <laughs> and we tend to put it at the top of our priority. Maybe not entrepreneurs, but I see it in corporations for sure. But um, so, so I would love to believe that Getting through this crisis, we're going to adapt new ways of doing things. But I've got a hunch that a lot of businesses are going to fall back onto old habits. Because, you know, like a level of success makes you so complacent. When you're making good enough revenues, good enough margins, if, you, if, you, if you're making enough money, then good is good enough. Cool. So, so you tend to fall back on those old habits of what is good enough. But what is really great 
what is really excellent. I think going forward, we will be crazy not to embrace this new way of working. You know, just before the virus, I mean, like this meeting now, we used to fly from Cape Town to Joburg, Joburg to Cape Town for meetings. <laughs> We'd never have a meeting like this. We've been having meetings like this for three months. So, so, so just before the, the virus hit our shores, we picked up quite big business and we were in the process of employing 150 people. So wow. we, would have had to, we would have had to get new offices, put more capital into outlaying new offices and have a higher rental overhead per month. We know now that going forward, we will be working in shifts. We probably do a hybrid, two weeks on, two weeks off, or one week on, one week off, shared offices. And that will enable us, as we grow our business, if we had to double in the next five years our business, we will keep the rental space the same, which means we're gonna effectively half our rent. That's yeah. massive. I mean, that is huge. So, so I think one of the biggest insights for me is, is we do not need all the office space that we, that we used to use in the old days. And that's going to go for sure. I'm, I'm very glad that I'm not in the airline industry, the hospitality industry, and that I'm not a landlord because, um, <laughs> you know, I, I know, Alex, you've given up your office space. We are in the process of uh, leaving our headquarters in Santon for much smaller premises at a much lower rate. So it's, yeah. it's bad times for landlords everywhere. I mean, I spoke this morning to amazing, another South African entrepreneur. Um, uh, um, just what's her, she's, she's the owner of Cosmopolitan, Raffaele. Mm -hmm. It's not Jane, her mother was Jane, Julia, Julia Raffaele. And, and it's just, just amazing because they had to shut down their magazines because people weren't buying magazines. It was the end of it. But, but I don't want to put forward, like, I don't want to give away what she told me, but it's completely opened a new direction for them. I saw, I saw a restaurant over this time that couldn't trade that turned his retail space into a food market. So, so, so organic food emporium, a tiny little restaurant became an organic food emporium overnight. So I also think this is the time for innovation. And I'd like to believe that the landlords will find new ways. You know, there's already talk of residential, um, turning office space into residential areas. Um, so I'm sure there's always, if you open yourself up for the flow of new thinking and not just get sucked into the crisis, it's going to open new opportunity. Like mm -hmm. us saving rental now, you know, it's a new opportunity. I, I mean, we, we've completely, we've completely also cut our office because we were like, we don't know how long it's going to take. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an amount. It's a substantial amount for a, you know, a startup growing business. And um, we don't know if we're going to use it. So why pay for something when we rather can keep people uh, employed? Um, and that was a little bit our thinking. Um, and it changed a lot of the processes and, you know, people got into the remote work and now it's sort of, you know, people getting used to it. The only worry I have is how is culture building in a remote uh, environment mm -hmm. impacted? And this is where I'm also, I'm, I'm worried about just going full remote versus having one like home you know, it's, it's like me living in Mexico, Turkey, uh, South Africa, but my home is in Germany. My parents are in Germany. So, you know, that central place where you can go and, you know, have supper with your family. Like, I think that's still something I believe a business needs. Would you agree with that? 
I agree a hundred percent. So, so, and, and this is again, I'm going to point towards purpose because I think when you define a profound purpose for your business, that is more than your product offering much more. You know, I thought, I thought if you asked me firsthand without the depth of knowledge that I gained over the past 14 years on the subject of purpose, if you initially asked me, I would have said our purpose is creativity because we're a creative mm -hmm. advertising agency. Mm -hmm. It turns out, and, and I'm also an advocate of one word purpose. So, so, so not one word as the insight on what your purpose is and then an explanation of that word. So, so the word is actually not the purpose. The explanation is the purpose, but you need the word to get the purpose. I'm a big believer in it. And I don't see enough. I, I can't see more than five brands in the world that actually has that clarity of purpose. And that's value that, that I'd love to bring to this world going forward and through our business offered as a service. But, but that one word of ours is growth. Now it, it, it's, it's such a, it's so far away from what I thought it would have been, but what it means is for our business to be the fertile soil that grows our people, that grows our clients and grow our country. And based on those three pillars, we've built our business. Now, now that has created such a unique culture within the business because people feel that they are on a higher purpose mission. They don't just come to work for a paycheck. Maybe some still do. It's not like we've got this perfect business. But, but we've got a much higher level of engagement than your average business. Um, so, and we know that because we run engagement scorecards in our business using Gallup's uh, Strength Finder. But we've got a very high level of engagement. And it's because people connect to this purpose that the business is there to grow them to be the best that they can be as professionals. Um, and if they're the best, we can do the best product to our clients in market. Um, so, so I think that level and depth of culture can help sustain it if we're not all together all the time. But I completely agree with you. I think you need a home base. I don't think we'll ever get away from having a place where we eat together at the very least, you know. So, so I'm completely with you on that. I don't think it's going to go completely um, into this digital world. So, so um, let me just go one more question on, on purpose before we uh, continue. I mean, Simon Sinek uh, is, is very well known. And, and, and for me, he started this, this whole mantra of, of purpose. That's the first time I heard about it. It's uh, the start with, with why. Um, is this a little bit what you're referring to? Because I think a lot of our listeners uh, know maybe Simon Sinek and, and um uh, how do you interpret his why, how, what uh, philosophy? I think he calls it the golden circle or something. I'm 100% aligned with his philosophy. Um, the only, I would say the only new knowledge, because I do think he's the driver of it, because that TED talk of his became one of the biggest in the world. And he subsequently yeah. wrote quite a few big famous books. And that was 2010. And, the, and that started this, this wave, but it, it's, it's become bigger than Simon Sinek. There's also the John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods in America, is a big advocate of purpose for business. Um, he written a book called um, Social Capitalism. I mean, Conscious Capitalism, Conscious Capitalism, which is all pointing towards purpose. There's a new book out now in the last year or two called um, Firms of Endearment, 
showing that more conscious businesses, more purpose-driven businesses make far more return at the, on the bottom line than, than Fortune 500 companies. So, so, so there's evidence that these businesses make more money because they, they've got a higher order purpose. So it is based on that philosophy. The only new knowledge that I'm hoping to bring to the table, which is not my own knowledge, it's an experience I had in my personal capacity on a transformational workshop, which was profound. It was truly profound. And is this idea that the why is one word. And, and, and Simon never got to dig into that aspect. There is at the, in the unconscious of every entrepreneur, there's a greater reason why he or she started their business than just wanting to make money. And, and I often explain it as, I'll give you an example. You might be someone who starts a beauty store and you might think that your purpose is beauty, but it might be self-confidence. So, so, so now you had a need, you had this sort of unconscious um, flame burning in you to bring like self-confidence to the world, but you never consciously know that. So you never put it out and advertise it and communicate it. And I think people will much more buy into self-confidence than beauty. That when you advertise self-confidence that, hey, I'm selling self-confidence. When I do your nails and I give you a facial and I like make you feel good about yourself, I'm selling self-confidence because beauty is but skin deep. So, so I think your level of communication based on a, on, a, on a higher purpose becomes deeper. And I think people start buying what you believe in rather than what you're selling. That's such a, such a good point. I think after this, I'm going to investigate a little bit more on, 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 on purpose and business for purpose. Um, uh, Pepe, you have a book coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Look, if you're going to give me this, if I can punt my book, I'm going to go for it. But I've already got a book on the shelves. I'll probably recommend the first one because I'm not sure how good the, the, this one's going to be. But the first, <laughs> the first one, um, you know, it's, it's quite funny. When, when, we, when, we, um, when we lost our way in 2008, 2009, I didn't have enough income. So I thought I'm a musician. So I thought, and I'm Afrikaans, and Afrikaans market in South Africa, the guy makes lots of money. So, so I, I translated all my English songs into Afrikaans, and I produced a CD, and it cost me my last bit of money to make. It was quite a bit of money. And I, and I printed like a thousand of them, and I, and I thought I'm going to sell, and I'm going to make lots of money. I sold three. Because my intention was to make money. And it, it just didn't land. I lost all that money. It was about a hundred grand back then. So, so I wrote this book called Growing Greatness um, in 2018. And it's, it's selling like mad. And I only wrote it to, to touch one person because I was quite insecure to write a book. I didn't want to write a book. I was asked to write a book. And, and it's really, it, I've been getting emails this week still, two and a half years later, I still get messages daily. It's, 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 it's my first book and it's on purpose. It's on business purpose. It's a journey of Joe Public, my personal experience. And I put every single bit of knowledge into one book. So now that I'm writing a second book, I'm like sucking it out of my thumb. I'm <laughs> so let's, let's not, the second one's coming out in November. It's on habits. 
and we'll see we'll see if it adds value but i'm just doing it to add value i don't need to make money out of selling books okay um i mean it's very interesting here i'm sitting with a sit he's uh, big in media and with you very big in advertising and i'm asking myself right now how is the from from a not only from a, a messaging point of view but how is marketing in general changing when you're in a crisis like what best practices are you seeing uh Pepe or Sid I mean what as a small business owner like me as a startup owner what like what should I do now what should I focus on should I focus on PPC print uh, which channel YouTube um what should I do I'm overwhelmed guys help me Sid you uh, want to go Yeah sure I mean look uh, Alex I don't know if I can give you the best practice from a, um, a small business point of view but I can certainly tell you what uh, how the messaging has has shifted over the last couple of months and at that we alluded to earlier you don't brands are not trying to sell product anymore they're not they're not pushing things on you they are almost uh, going back to basics and talking about um you know getting through this or you or communicating um ways in which you can uh, uh, engage with that brand but not on product um we've done a lot of work recently with um people like the UN and the WHO on getting information out there on the pandemic and what what not to do and how not to fall sick so that is 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 the holding pattern that we see and going forward there's been a resurgence of activity uh, in the form of uh, virtual events and webinars where different companies are still talking about values that are core to them uh and focusing on thought leadership more than than product and and services that's been my experience yeah i would say from my side you know we deal with big brands that's got i mean cheese if i think some of our smaller brands probably spend about jo I spend our smallest brands in our books probably spend about 20 million rand a year on marketing the main cost is media you know and the biggest ones up to a billion so and that's on media so it's not our revenue so we get a small proportion of that but but that's big money and when yeah. i deal with smees i always go i mean it is so tight running a small business that 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 it's it's so dicey to invest money and i always say if you don't have a million rand to put into marketing don't market you know and 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 if your if your budget is tiny then just keep it in the online space and use linkedin and use social platforms but even social platforms you need to back with media money you can't just put a post on a social platform and hope people's going to see it you have to that's that's our facebook built their platform to make the money out of the media revenue so 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 when i think about i mean it took us many years just to advertise our own business to have a marketing budget every year and normally your marketing budget is 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 let's say 2% of your revenue so 2% of your turnover so i mean like i mean that's quite what's it 100 so it's 2000 rand Is that right? Twenty thousand rand, twenty thousand rand per year on a million. So that's not a lot, you know. A, a, a newspaper um, advertisement will cost you twenty thousand rand to run once, and then you want to get a return on it. So I'm always very conscious not to say advertise until you have a quite a, a lot of money to advertise, because you won't get a return on that money. 
So use your digital platforms. If you've got a smaller purse, make sure you put uh, money into it in terms of marketing. But I keep on going back. Your best advertising is your own customers. Yeah. The better your product, the more excellent your product, the more... I, I, I always relate it to a restaurant. Excellent service, excellent food. To me, that's the perfect model. And of course, a nice ambiance. But, but that to me is the holy trinity of any great business. Excellent product, excellent service. And, and that word of mouth will put you in good stead. Um, and then just keep it lean. What, uh, what set of skill set, um, when, when you're an entrepreneur and you would start all over again, where would you focus what you would learn and, 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 and sort of digest every day? Is it more the creativity part, the analytics part? What is sort of the skill set of the entrepreneur in the next 10, 20 years? What's required? Okay. That's a great, I, I love that. You're going to see, I'm going to go back to the same thing. But what I've learned, um, entrepreneurs are very logical people. We logical, you know, we, we, we don't get all, that's why even I'm doing an MBA at the moment because I'm studying towards a PhD and I'm doing it for something completely different on the mm -hmm. side. But trust me, the bookwork on entrepreneurship is just like, what? You know, it's, 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 they kind of miss it. It's written by academics. We are super logical as entrepreneurs. But I will still go back. What we do lack as entrepreneurs is clarity. I find what you focus on will manifest 100% if you know what you're focusing on. And this is why I love this methodology I don't even want to call it purpose because purpose make it sounds like something um, sort of like quite hippie. It makes it sound like esoterical, you know, in my view, purpose is actually the absolute clarity of what is your business strategy. Now, once we knew that we exist to grow our people and the better we grow them, the better our product, the better our product, the more we grow our client, Everything aligned around that. So suddenly we started designing our Joe Grow tool, which is a pretty much like a KPI system, but turned on its head because it's not, it's not whipping people to perform. It's, it's, it's showing them their room for growth. So it's, it's applied in a non-fearful way. And without our purpose, we would not have designed that tool. We designed Growth Tracker to track our client sales. We would not have done that without our purpose. You know, Growth Compass is our new tool that we're going to take to market to sell purpose to our clients because we believe in it. So now, then we started, we, we, we started going, okay, but we only, measure, we only measure our finances. And what you measure actually improves because you know that, okay, I make one rand, next year I'll make two rand. You make one rand 50, you know you grow 50%. You measure it and the measurement makes you conscious, but you never measure the quality of your product. You never measure the quality and the performance of your people. You know, you never measure your culture. You never measure your engagement. So we've become obsessed, not more obsessed than product obsession, but at the back end of the business, we've become obsessed with measuring all those aspects and it's making us more conscious of how far we have to still grow. So, so and none of that, not one of those things in the business. When you go, you can Google Joe Public you'll find growth in every single article. So when we talk, we talk growth. When we pitch our business, we pitch growth. So there's such focus that everyone knows what we're doing and everyone knows where we're going. And as your business grows and you're 10 people, 20, 30, 80, 100, 200, 300, 800, 
everyone's on the same page, everyone's going the same direction. So I think purpose is actually, it's clarity, it's strategy, and it's my route to success. That's a little bit Peter Drucker, right? What you don't measure, you don't, uh, you can't control. Absolutely. There's just too much talk in the absence yeah. of human. It, it's very interesting. We've got a growth metrics according to the EOS system. I don't know if you've, if you've heard of that um, book, Traction, and, and we've actually implemented exactly that, that we're not only tracking uh, financial KPIs, but we're also tracking um, how the team is performing and, and also non-financial non KPIs. Um, so for every entrepreneur out there, if uh, something that's similar to what Pepe is saying here is check out the, the EOS, the Entrepreneur's Operating System, it's a great way to get started. Such valuable insights. Um, I think that's all the time we have for today. In fact, we've gone a little bit over time. But Pepe, thank you so much for that. And thanks for those candid responses. I think we're going we're gonna to inspire a generation of entrepreneurs after they, they watch this uh, video interview. And Alex, thank you again for your time and for co-hosting the series with me. Thank you, Sid. Thank you, Pepe. Thank you to both of you. I really appreciate um, the interest and, and I hope it adds value. All the best to you guys as well through this time, all of us. Yeah.